0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to Discussions on Christianity. We are here with episode six with Christine Sansoda. Uh, Christine is a was a major in biblical studies and theology um, and is here today to discuss the topic of sin and when it comes in and um, what the biblical standards are and what the law is all about. So I think we're going to have a really interesting episode today. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. Thanks for being on, Christine. All right. So you were telling me that you had a conversation with um, someone that you were, well, recently anyways, that you were having this discussion and you wanted to talk about it.
1: Yeah, so we were kind of, uh, I I realized that we had that theological difference of when a child is born, is that child born in sin or is that child born innocent? And uh, if it's one or the other, when does the switch happen and how does that kind of go? I. I personally believe that everybody's born innocent and then the way that I see it is a child left to its own vices will figure out how to do things, but they seem to always figure out how to play at the playground. doesn't matter what the other kids are around. They all just seem to figure out how to get on. Mm-hmm. And um, But if a child starts repeating the rhetoric that's around them, you know, if they have parents that have some kind of fear tendencies or scared of being, of,
0: oh no, did I lose you? Nope. There you are. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I got you back. I have no clue what happened there.
1: It's so funny. It just did a hiccup. Hey, eh? we'll just, you know, struck that one up to the good old technology, right? Right. <laughs> Yeah, but you were talking about uh, um,
0: children on the playgrounds and how they can uh, interact with each other and do everything naturally without knowledge. And so I I would definitely agree with that. Um, I would also say that it is important theologically, especially for Christians, to agree with that as well and to say that we're not all born as sinners. Um, And this would be important because of the theological role that Jesus plays in the crucifixion and resurrection. If he was not sinless, then he wouldn't be able to do what he did.
1: Right. And and I think the biggest thing with that is he, he encouraged the be childlike state. And I personally take that one on to mean always be open and aware, and almost like a sponge. Take mm-hmm. everything in, you yeah. know, as it's coming. So not not be like uh, um, relying on people to do things for you, but have that awareness that you're always taking care of, you're always protected. There is abundance everywhere. There's nothing to stress about. Be okay. childlike. And I think kids in that state, they just... They all figure out how to get on. Even if they don't speak the same language, they Mm -hmm. will figure out a way to play. And it's really cool to watch. Uh, But what I was discussing with my friend is, when does that change? So when is it that all of a sudden, like, um, the way that I had to get down to it to ask him is I I asked him, so if a baby dies, is that baby going to heaven or hell? Mm -hmm. And... He said, well, of course, innocent, innocent. And so my question back was, what age does that change?
0: Yeah.
1: And he started, he started sp- speaking about the bar mitzvah. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I said, well, I understand that is in the Jewish tradition and uh, the traditions come around from there. But where is that biblically? And so that's kind of where we had our turnaround, because then he went back to the story of Adam and Eve and original sin mm-hmm. and all of that. My response was I completely understand that story because they made a choice. The two of them made a choice. Mm-hmm. So of course they would have that foothold on them now of imperfection that they would need to be working towards again to to be able to be in God's presence. Because that's all it came down to is God is the – I, I go with the Plato theory of God is the absolute, the absolute of everything, the absolute of love, the absolute of truth, the absolute of honesty, everything like that. So. If we have any footholds or any marks on us, it's it's actually because almost like scientifically we can't be there because it that that little bit yes. will just mm-hmm. kind of explode or what. Else.
0: It is the real <laughs> side note. Yeah, it's the real <laughs> yeah. version of what cleanliness means versus uncleanliness, in my personal Spot opinion. On.
1: Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great way. That's a great way to say it. So it's like uh I I am very far away from Um, An angry God or anything like that because of my understanding of that source, what that source is and how it is represented. And um, and so Adam and Eve made the choice. They made Mm -hmm. the choice which made it where they could not be in God's presence. But my question is, what choice did their children make? When did that happen that their children would all of a sudden not be in God's presence? Because we know. Well, I say no. (laughs) Allegedly, you would think that Adam and Eve, once they had their experience, they did not want their kids to have that experience. So they would have been teaching them the ways of the Lord. Hence the reason why we hear about Cain and Abel and the way that they worked with the fields and they worked with um, the earth and they worked with everything. You know that Adam and Eve were trying to instill in them everything to get them back to the garden of Eden because um, they didn't want to be waiting another 6,000 years, you know, to get back in there. So that's sort of uh, that's sort of where I'm at with the age of innocence. There is a choice that happens there and kids left to their own devices without repeating or um, mimicking, you know, monkey see, monkey do mimicking what other adults mm-hmm. or other older children are doing around them. they, for the most hand they seem kind they seem you know forgiving even if there's like someone grabs a toy or whatnot we see all those things of like little kids hugging each other to say sorry or whatnot they figure they seem to figure it out but as we get older and we see through um we hear stories through kids about how they become bullies or whatnot then um that seems we hear that's where we hear what either their parents are saying or yes. that's what we hear of them repeating something they saw on tv or heard in a song and it we you don't necessarily know if that's what they're thinking but because they have repeated whatever that is that's where that innocence is lost because now it is something that does not allow them in the presence of god if that makes sense yeah absolutely the, the, because yeah.
0: it, it is chains that are forged between parent and child that um, can be either positive or negative, depending on how that parent is viewed by the child.
1: So true. Yes. Yes. And that kind of comes down to our cycles that we have. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I do fully believe that we're all put her for a reason. That there's something that, you know, we have going on and something that we ourselves are working on for our souls to make it back to source. And in that, in that light, if we don't fully acknowledge that we can create stumbling blocks for others. Mm -hmm. And with how absorbent they are and how much they just, they want to, they want to belong, they want to participate, they, they show you know, community in such a different way than what happens when we become adults. You know, it's almost like we have to retrain ourselves on how to have that community um, that we had when we were children. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: So one of the things that I've been thinking on lately is the concept of the law itself and what it represents to us as sin. Um, So for instance, um, my train of thought goes: Let's take the Ten Commandments and start there. Everybody, okay. everybody can agree that murdering people is wrong, you know. Or, <laughs> <laughs> right? You, you know, there's certain there's certain aspects of it. Now, other people who are not religious would not necessarily agree with, honestly, the first four commandments because love the Lord your God, do not worship any other, don't make any false Mm -hmm. idols, honor the Sabbath. Those things are to the non-religious not as important as the things like um, adultery or murder or theft or lying, things like that. Um, Mm -hmm. But when I look at all of the commandments, they all seem to me to be pointing to the same thing. Um, Each one of them is a fear-based thing. So what I mean by that is murder is you are afraid that this person will do something to you or this person will um, steal from you or this person has the love of, you know, your partner or whatever caused that murder to happen usually comes about through fear. In the same way we have like lying and theft and things like that, it's all fear based um, actions that we take that hurt others. Mm -hmm. And so I think the law and the commandments are there not only to show us to not work in fear, uh, but to rather work in love. And I think that's the real message of the law and the commandments is to love one another. And that's why Jesus says it, um, It's because those laws are there to help us understand that each one of us is a unique being and action towards that being needs to be taken in a loving attitude and not a fearful attitude.
1: I agree with you. I've kind of, I've been thinking on this one quite a bit there. Actually, I heard um, someone who called themselves a quantum gnosticist hmm, I that's thought that interesting
0: was pretty, what does that mean yeah a great name right
1: it, <laughs> and pretty much what it was taking gnosticism but taking it was that specific scripture the 10 commandments that it went through mm-hmm. and it was kind of like here's this from a sort of like a quantum perspective of un, uncapping those a little bit more and um I'll find it and I will send it to you. It's I think it was a TikTok video so that you could hear it. Yeah, I'd like to see that. Yeah, um, and pretty much what they did is they kind of took each of those and then just added that little bit of information that we don't necessarily get in our Hebrew to English translation or mm-hmm. our Aramaic to English translation. You know, uh, one, one time I was talking to someone and it, it, the, the best way to describe it is English, you know, you read left to Right. All these ancient texts, you're going right to left, which means that if you think about how the hemispheres work in the brain, there's there's so much we're missing because we've actually just swapped it.
0: I saw um, a, a Twitter post yeah. by somebody yesterday that was talking about, um, he said, before I was a um, hardcore evangelical and believed that you know, the earth was created in seven days. And then I learned Hebrew and realized that Genesis chapter one is some of the best poetry I've ever read.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it just layers upon layers. So it's kind of, it's amazing how, I mean, when you go down to the language, my favorite, my favorite one is Jesus and Peter walking um, after they're having breakfast on the beach after Jesus has been crucified and he comes back and he's like, Peter do you love me? And Peter's like, "Yep, I love you." You can go watch my sheep. You know, if you only see that in the English, you have no idea what's going on there mm-hmm. because of the different levels of what love is. And and that actually kind of it circles back up to the 10 commandments because this idea of love and this concept of love um unconditional love. That love that w- that is repeated over and over again throughout the biblical canon mm-hmm. of unconditional love and people for don't don't really take the time to define unconditional. <laughs> yeah. And so I don't know if there's a lot of us out here who have fully experienced unconditional love. Um, everyone referenced pets. Of course, pets love us unconditionally. But being able to elevate yourself to be like a pet and love those unconditional, give them the benefit of the doubt in every moment, still keeping your energy safe and everything like that. Like uh, one thing with Jesus is uh, I think, uh, uh, unfortunately, we've had a bit, um, the scripture turn the other cheek has sort of been used against us to kind of mm. encourage martyrdom without encouraging the strength that Jesus actually carried. And and so I've kind of flipped back. So going back to the, the commandments, like you said, the law, I, I started kind of breaking it down for my brain to be a little bit more simple, is that there's two cycles. Mm-hmm. There's a give and take cycle and there's a give and receive cycle. Mm-hmm. And I think the commandments are very clear about avoiding the give and take cycle. So when it comes to um the the God, like don't put any other gods above me, pretty much it's just like if you if you end up prioritizing something that is of man, like money or a concept, so uh, you know, taking taking these amazing scriptures and then putting them in a church so that there's a four wall surrounding it. And in order to be part of this congregation, you have to believe X, Y, Z, even though there's debates about the scripture on that, like that's another one where it can kind of limit, limit God. And so I see that as if you are limiting God, you're taking from that ability to grow. Mm -hmm. But if you're always open to receive, always open to learn then you're able to be in like a give and receive cycle. And then it kind of goes down through all of them with murder. Thou shalt not kill. Well, you know, don't take what isn't yours. We are not, we are not supposed to judge. And that first step of that action is, is a judgment against someone Mm -hmm. we deem that they did something incorrect. So we go and we take, take their life. And not only that, we put ourselves
0: in a higher place than them. Yes saying that we're better than them and being able yeah. to judge them
1: right and and as i as I continue in my life, even though I haven't been walking this as long as some other people have on this planet, it's more like i it, everything it comes down to in, to help me better with my choices is is it's a give and take or a give and receive cycle, so it's mm-hmm. even when I'm looking um for work or I'm looking for a place to live. I've come to the realization that the best way to vote is with my money. So, am I am I giving money to a corporation that majority of the time is actually taking, but then they have a couple shiny things that makes it look like they give? Uh Or, or is it actually like a business that's that that is in that give and receive cycle? Because whatever they're giving, they're making sure their staff is looked after. They're choosing. There's a there's actually a local business here. That's one of those cute little drive-in, like it's called West Side Drive-In. It's been on some of those those shows mm-hmm. that people go around and eat fancy foods. Anyways, I found out that the owner of this particular place makes sure to uh, hire people who have been in prison mm-hmm. so that it helps them be able to get that work ever, so that they can get into that. Because, I mean, it goes back to Victor Hugo claimed it in Les Miserables when Jean Valjean's got his yellow ticket, can't get a job anywhere. Yeah. And so he has to switch his name and be someone else in order to actually achieve. And so, you know, if you can find these places voting with your money that are actually adding to that give and receive cycle, it just in general, the energy just kind of lightens in the whole the whole earth. So I see the Ten Commandments as it can all come back back down to that. Are you acting out of giving and receiving or are you acting out of giving and taking? Is there is there always something in there for you? yeah. Or are you trusting the abundance that is around us so that you will receive what, what is given or whatever? Yeah. No, so absolutely.
0: Sort of uh, actually, what you said reminded me of C.S. Lewis, um, yeah. Mere Christianity. Um, at one point, he's yes. talking about prudence, and he talks about if you're giving to a charity, make sure that you investigate that charity before you give money to it.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, 100%. I've been caught out on that so many times. You know, mm-hmm. and even even churches that I had been a part of and, you know, really was hoping for the best or anything. Once I got behind the four walls and saw what was really going on, um, I just it was just kind of unfortunate because you could uh, humans are clever. We are mm-hmm. extremely clever. We are extremely intelligent. And when we put our heads together, we can accomplish anything. So it was just would break my heart a little bit to see how we would justify um, giving into the ways of the world and try to back it with scripture. Yeah, especially um, when some of these places
0: are taking like 90% of what people give them and giving them to administration fees. And, oh, right? we're going to put it in this uh, Securities and Exchange Fund and things like that.
1: Yeah, and and honestly, I feel like all religious texts should be free. You should mm-hmm. be able to find them, you should be able to get them. And so... When I, you know, someone's saying that they want a copy of the Bible to be able to read, and it's like they got to drop $50 in order to get that. It devastates me. I don't, there's no justification that you could tell me to say why it is that it's okay. I, I heard someone once say that, well, you have to kind of market yourself with value. I think we were talking about Hillsong and their CDs. Mm, gotcha. And saying, you know, why, why do they cost as much if, or, or if not more than this is when people still went to the store to buy yeah, CDs. CDs yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. um, I'm sure that it's the same on the, you know, digital downloads, but anyways. Hey, I still uh, remember that time. <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> I think you can still find them in stores, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I just couldn't in my mind, there's nothing. It always did not sit well with me. And, Honestly, as I've gotten older, I've trusted that intuition and that gut instinct because when I have dove into it scripturally, I've always felt like I've had that support from the scripture. Mm-hmm. When I actually dive into what those words mean to unpack them, so so yeah, that that behind that four walls justifying. Anything that takes is just really sad. And unfortunately, we now live in a in a day and age where we're seeing that to the extreme of what it has caused with mm-hmm. with um I mean the Roman Catholic Church has gotten the hardest rap for it for the uh sexual abuse and all of that stuff yeah, that's going on. I mean
0: that stuff happens in the non in the non exactly like the Protestant churches too.
1: Exactly. And and I kind of feel like for lack of a better term, it's almost like a psyop if we focus on the Roman Catholic Church. It's like, oh, oh they're God. the ones just doing this. Yeah. so that we can justify but like it's it unfortunately that thing right there is something that i uh, have been exceptions have been made in society and so it's being ignored yeah. and uh you know that's i'm just gonna say going back to biblical times Jesus knew this was going to happen, and obviously he did because he made sure that the people he told he was back when he got resurrected was all the people that weren't allowed to go on the witness stand in that time and age, shepherds, women, but he made sure they were the ones that had the truth first, and I look at it now, it's like it's children that are trying to speak the truth to us and rise up that voice or whatnot, and it's all listed in Revelations, so what's going on? It's almost like a step-by-step as to what's happening, if you
0: can see it's very um it's very interesting times that we're living in
1: totally yeah
0: because i i don't want to say one way or another concerning you know like end times right (laughs) yeah there's certain things that look that way and there's certain things that are like eh, you know so we're just gonna we're just gonna leave that up to god and and that happens when it happens
1: i'm so the same that's why i'm like if i just focus on my little give and receive cycle mm-hmm. i know I'll, I'll be okay at the end because i think that's the you know when jesus broke down those 10 commandments and came back and was like it's just this actually love the lord your god and love your neighbor as yourself how many of us actually work on love yourself
0: yeah no I absolutely agree
1: i think i lost you
0: nope oh, i can't see but i could still hear you I think we lost her again for just a second. Hold tight, everybody, and we will be right back with ya. All right, Ed, we're back.
1: <laughs> of course, it had to be during the exciting well, time. <laughs>
0: I live out in the country, and getting good internet is really, really horrible out in the country.
1: <laughs> it's all good. at least it pops it right back in, you know, so we can just take off. We were at, so.
0: That's true enough. And not like, oh, we need to disconnect and reconnect and all Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So where were we at? Um...
1: I Yeah, I was saying um, how with the, the, the law, the Ten Commandments, I love how Jesus broke it back down to love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And somehow I feel like we have actually – not taking on board the love yourself. Mm-hmm. and that's why people don't get they still are in a give and take cycle because there's a lot of religious institutions that tell us that we're sinners. Oh, look at that. I circled back. Oh, I didn't even mean to <laughs> tell us that we're sinners that we suffer that that's actually the point of being here. You know, um you know, there's some extreme, sections of religions where they will like actually beat themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, if you said things um, we have the traditions of confession in the Roman Catholic church, we have the traditions of the sacrifice in the Jewish tra- tradition, which they don't actually do the animal sacrifice anymore, but they have their symbolic with that. Um, and so I think Jesus really, he's, he broke it down to those three because it's like, if you can love yourself, and you can honor yourself, then you won't ever want to take from anyone else because you will understand the value from that level up. And then you love your neighbor and love your God. Like it actually, it's almost, for lack of better, it's almost like a toroidal field where it can just kind of build up and it just keeps building. Mm-hmm. And then uh, for everyone listening out
0: there, a toroidal field, uh, imagine a donut. Or if you took a circle and put a hinge on either the right or left side and just spun that circle around, that's what a toroid looks like.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it has a fun way of moving the energy around. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh,
0: or think of a magnetic field. Any magnetic field is in the shape of a
1: toroidal toroid. Field.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, we might lose connection again.
1: Almost. I can. it's trying i, I can, can still hear, hear you. you just fine so <laughs>
0: uh, okay
1: oh wait oh, okay we go we're back now all right <laughs> i I'm, i just have to take a note as to all the different places that it's paused that it's been pretty uh Key, key parts of our conversation. So uh, it's always fun. Technology likes to help accent things in a certain way. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's
0: true enough. <laughs> uh, um, so how would you say, or what time would you say that we would come into the knowledge of sin as children or, do you think that comes in in more of a learned thing or an inherent thing?
1: I personally, I think it is learned. Um. So, I do. I do adhere to the belief of generational curses. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily like that terminology because it it adds fear monger stuff into it. But if you again take take those words down to where they originally came from. You know, you could go to the old English uh, old Oxford dictionary and, and see the etymology of all of that. Or you could go um, and, and take the original Hebrew word and kind of like break that down. I, I would definitely enc- always encourage that, especially if there's a word that has never sat well with you, dive deep and figure out where that yeah, came it from. Up. Cause it, to release that curse is one that I find really fascinating Um, if you, the word curse in the book of Job, it is the same word that they use for blessing. So it all depends on context. Mm -hmm. And if you think a lot about the way that the, uh, we, we read about the, the Jewish people going through the old Testament, it is like everything that's happening to them is like a blessing and a curse at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, in those. So, so, so generational curse is a, it's got a bad connotation. There's a lot of fear mongering there, but honestly, it's uh one of those things where again, I be- I believe the freedom of we can stop the cycles in our family. Um, you, you know, is it cursed to the hundredth generation, blessed to the thousandth generation? So when it comes to blessings, it's if you can get on that cycle, it continues on. So I think that um if someone has a tendency in them as a child, right, they're still kind of in the innocent state. They haven't uh we'll just say that this child has had the um the luxury of not being um, put into a culture or into a religion or into a race that is encouraging hate at a young age, and I, and I say hate lightly. Mm-hmm. It's just you know something that is against kind of that unconditional, full autonomy kind of uh, situation that Jesus was really encouraging us to get into. Um, if a child stays in that, I think they would probably have thoughts. Right? They would have thoughts of that. And, I, and then, but if they are raised appropriately, they'd be able to logic out where that is and then help break that cycle much sooner. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm speaking from an idealist you know, yeah. point of view because we, we don't have a place like that in society right now where we could actually test that. Because yeah. um, it's we... also
0: biblically backed because, um, especially when you take a look at Jesus, um, yeah. so he was cursed by, hang- by being hung on a tree. That is part of the Old Testament um, and part of what is preached. You can clearly Mm -hmm. see in the Gospels and in Paul's letters. Um, Mm -hmm. This is something that um, you really need to dive into if you want to understand the whole curse blessing thing. And it is because he takes on all of our curses and changes them into blessings um it is a i don't know what other word to use than an alchemical transformation um totally from lower to higher yes and i think in the same way that um like the seven generations of sin of the father passed to the son um is is a curse at the same time but it's also an opportunity to be turned into a blessing
1: agree with you i love how you said that yeah definitely yeah, I feel like you just summed that up even even better than I could think of cuz that's Yeah, totally totally encourage kind of diving into that more. And I I would encourage diving into the book of Job cuz it's a very interesting relationship with the Satan character, the devil character. Job is a very and,
0: interesting book.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because in this kind of going to what you know what is deemed a a, a, yeah when the when a kid loses their innocence or whatever with according to Job, Job has been innocent or whatnot. So it's kind of it's it's a little bit of a mind trip to understand why he got into that situation. Mm -hmm. And I, I personally would argue it's because of his kids, because if he was the the righteous man of Ur that we all learn he, they're the children would have been righteous as well. Yet we do know right at the beginning that they were all about partying and whatnot. If there was, mm-hmm. there's terminology associated with those individuals that said they weren't necessarily as righteous as Job was. Mm-hmm. And and so that right there in a way, almost like um, he's kind of pinged with it. And then we hear repeat of that in the new Testament. when Paul is very clear that if you are going to, you know, be a deacon. You need to make sure you have a good home, and I—I'm I'm not sure that a lot of people fully take that on board. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Well, a lot of us tend—it's a lot easier to see the moat in someone else's eye than the plank in our own, or oh, to my harp on our own. So yeah. we always like to harp on the other people without actually looking at ourselves right. first.
1: Right. <laughs> I love that one. I was uh, there was. I was having to think about that one one day and, and I just real, I was like, you know what I reckon? Cause you know, people aren't walking around with sticks in their eyes. Right. But I, I love that analogy because I reckon Jesus was reminding us that we're all mirrors mm-hmm. to each other. And so if you think about it from a mirror perspective and take away the whole judgment thing and just think about two people walking around and one person actually legit has like, like a plank in their eye, but they can still see forward. Mm-hmm. But like, if I was looking at you and I had a plank and you were a mirror, the my plank would actually look like a splinter in your eye because yeah. of the it, Like, it, like <laughs> it's like, it's kind of like the same thing. And so it's like, mm-hmm. if we have some kind of judgment against someone else, it's probably something going on in us. It has that, you know, maybe that person's got something going, whatever, but they could have very well just been placed there so that we actually figure out what that mm-hmm. plank is because we're all reflections of each other and i guess
0: absolutely 100% that, agree yeah
1: yeah <laughs> and you know they're going back to the kids right there when do kids start reflecting the planks that are that their parents give them or the mm-hmm. the adults or the influencing people in their life versus realizing that they don't they don't have to judge anyone around they can just be like oh that person does that and you know just kind of keep keep moving on their way i i think kids they they get full autonomy really well without even realizing it and then they're trained out of it yeah I mean I feel like that's what happened to me if I was to think about it like mm-hmm. everyone was all great and all loving or whatnot and then I was told of certain people that I had to watch out for or certain ways that things were and I was a weird kid I didn't take any of that on board but as I got older I realized some of my language and my rhetoric would sound like I had taken some of that on board so I had to still back up and and almost reprogram myself. Mm -hmm. But but, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think this really talks to the idea of there's only one person that you can control and that's you. Um, yes. So personally, um, when I get, um, at least I try to do this, I'm that's again, being perfect, isn't You can't do it. Um, but I try when I'm angry or when I'm jealous or any take any one of the seven sins. It doesn't matter. Um, Mm -hmm. Whenever I feel that way, I try to stop and go, what about this situation is making myself angry or what about this situation is making myself prideful or what, what about the situation, you know, makes me jealous because the other person their actions might inflame me, but at the same time, the only thing that I can work on is myself. So mm-hmm. I need to realize what about that situation inflamed me in the first place so that I can work on my own my own path at that point.
1: I so agree with that. It's definitely something that I had a revelation for a very long time ago, couldn't even tell it when, but I... My father, he he definitely has the gift of evangelism. He is totally one of those people that could knock on a stranger's door mm-hmm. and have a conversation, and it works. I my my gift of evangelism is way different, as in like not quite. Like he will wear one of those Jesus shirts and be walking down the street, and people will stop him and want to have conversations. Yeah, I would wear the same shirt. No one wants to talk to me. Like yeah. he, he just has it all. So that was intimidating as a child. Like mm-hmm. I definitely was like, I'm not a good Christian because I can't knock on doors and talk to strangers. Like He even had one of those, I don't know if you remember, like in the 80s and 90s, people used to have these briefcase that had like the communion cups with the little grape juice and the little pieces of bread. And oh, you could, they, like, they, yeah, briefcase. they had like the
0: little peel things on them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah, yeah. what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that was totally him. Um, I uh, just... That one wasn't kind of my thing. And um, oh my gosh, I totally lost my brain train of thought. What was Uh, it that...
0: You're talking about evangelism and his style versus what you do.
1: Yeah. What was our topic just right before that Um, you had said?
0: (laughs) We're talking about... uh, um, (laughs) Sorry, my cat was (laughs) trying to climb climb my leg. (laughs) Of course. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we're talking about um, the self and how we can only work on ourselves versus. Oh, thank you. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you. Yeah, so it, it it took a while where I realized I wasn't, my gift was not his. Mm-hmm. Right? So I was judging myself, which very easily um, gave me the foothold to judge others thinking that they weren't quite quite okay. You know, like yeah. But, but once I came back down to that one where I stopped judging myself, realizing that we're all a big, glorious, colorful group of people that have all these little idiosyncrasies so that we can all get along and make creative and beautiful things. Mm-hmm. Once you get back down to that, you're just like, oh, you just kind of look around and you appreciate everybody's gifts that they have to offer and you see how it's almost like an orchestra it's a lot where easier you know, to love others 100%. Yeah, 100%. And and unconditional love like not just uh not just a brother love but like agape, you know, you you have always got someone in your corner that's always going to believe in the best for you.
0: Mhm. No, absolutely yeah. agree 100%. Yeah. And um
1: that's
0: kind of what I'm trying to do as well with the podcast is because um, I want to talk to Christians from all different backgrounds. I don't care if you're Catholic. I don't care if you're Protestant. I don't care if you're Gnostic. I don't care if you're mystic. Like It does not matter to me because each and every one of us is our own walk of life, and for me to try to be like someone else takes away from what I am and for them to try and be like me takes away from what they are.
1: I agree completely. And, yeah. I, and I always try to go back to, you know, when we were kids or the first time. So wherever, um, you know, religious kind of connections you've got or, or how you grew up or whatnot, it's like that first time that you fully understood that unconditional love.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and understood what that is like taking that and just fanning the flame in that is, is really amazing because, um, that's when really beautiful things happen. When you see people work together for that. I I mean, unfortunately in the society we live in right now, we see a lot more of that. When there's a tragedy, Like there has to be something that's kind of devastating. And then we see the people work together, but, um, to be fair, we've seen other people trying to get that kind of community. I, I don't know if you uh, know of uh, this guy. His name is Sadhguru. He's from India, and he um, has a movement called the Save Soil Movement. And what he's trying to tell everybody is uh, he, he's trying to get everybody to realize our topsoil is on the way out, mm-hmm. and we're almost stealing from our future generations because we're not looking after our food supply right now. Yeah,
0: because we've been and hitting so, it with so many chemicals constantly.
1: Yeah, and then refarming the same mm-hmm. land so until there's nothing left. So he's he did a motorcycle bike tour last year through like Europe and Africa, but talking about soil and the way that he brought it down is that's what we become when we die. Like this is the cycle that we're all mm-hmm. all a part of. So it's like the that common denominator, and um, I love I love that concept of that that movement because that. Ultimately, in the end, you know, there's where the unconditional love comes. If we can't figure out how to do it in our lifetime, we, yep. we eventually give back. You know. Yep one yeah. way one way
0: or another, you're giving back. Right.
1: <laughs> right. Uh, and it doesn't matter how sinful, well, quote unquote, sinful you were, or righteous you were, or innocent you were. You know your 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 body is going to still be given to the future generations. <laughs> Mm-hmm. In in a way, so <clears throat> I kind of like that concept with that as well.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. That's a good point too. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, I guess I don't know if I fully answered the question of when I think the age, but I do think it's learned. I think it's I think to act on sin is learned. I think there is a big reason why uh, Jesus focuses on thoughts so much. Mm-hmm. and how you see yourself and how you believe in yourself and what you're thinking um, because that's where it starts and that's where you can make a choice on that um, action that comes out. And if you, you know, the uh, best way I can think about it, it, kind of was explained to me, is if you have a thought that's kind of circling in your head and you don't deal with it, it's either going to end up down in your heart as a as a bitter root you know that's going to grow something that's not mm-hmm. going to go anywhere because you're stuffing it down and that can be something of judging yourself um uh, a situation where you know for instance you're walking down the street and you accidentally bump someone's shoulder and they give you like a look that could like stop traffic right and you're just like what the you know going <laughs> on but you don't know that that person that, you know, they might've, they might've just lost a loved one. They might've just gotten fired from their job. Right. Like we don't, we're not in there. And so we get to choose how to act on what happens in here. And, um, that the concept of, you know, are we our thoughts? Are we our feelings? You know, this is one of those things that people kind of talk about all the time, but at least in here, we actually, we can, we can step back and we have a little bit of control, whatever the next action is. And I, and I do believe that's why Jesus focused on take captive your thoughts so much, mm-hmm. because that's the first place you can go to really kind of move forward. Yeah,
0: it is the, it's the root of where, well, so in my personal opinion, again, this is my personal opinion, is I feel that we are made, um, we are an image of God in the same way that God is three, we are three. Uh, we are body, mm-hmm. mind, and spirit. mm mm-hmm. um, And when you study the texts, there is a distinct difference in like when Paul is caught up in the spirit or the prophets of old um, go into the spirit. It's a it's almost kind of like astral projection and what people talk about today. Um, And so I believe that we have we are spirit spirit is formless. Um, placed into a conscious body, which is our mind, which is inside of a physical body, which is the which is the flesh. Um, and so, when we are, when Jesus tells us to make sure that we train our thoughts, what we are also doing is we are training our spirit body, we are training our conscious body to be to be better. So I like that, that. So that when we can finally enter the kingdom, we are not controlled by our mind. We instead control the mind.
1: I I like that a lot. That makes me think of the concept of uh, there's the three D Earth and there's the five D Earth. And for a, just a high level summary for those who have heard that term to kind of bring it back where it's a little bit biblically sound is is um. Think of it kind of like the Old Testament, there was laws, there was certain things you had to do xyz to get yourself to be in that place where God would accept you after you passed away. And then Jesus comes along in the New Testament and is pretty much like, "Hey, you're free. You're you're free. Like like the it's the all price good cuz he paid." Yeah, exactly. And and to be fair, he was kind of preaching that before he died as well. So there there's something in there mm-hmm. where you still would be able to get your freedom if you if you kind of figured out the key that he was trying to give us, right? Mm-hmm. Um and that like that's uh oh last the- <laughs> I get so excited with these ones, but but pretty much <laughs> that's kind of what I was trying to oh my gosh, get at. I wish I could remember like my punchline, but it's gone. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah think that that training is something that a lot of people don't focus on well they'll focus on for the wrong reasons um
1: yeah oh that's what it was 3d versus 5d hmm, i went yes. in the tank to that so that was um from my understanding in the third dimension there is uh it, it's kind of you can to make it biblical it's like eye for an eye right there's mm-hmm. dualism there's counterbalances there's masculine, there's feminine, there's left, there's right, there's good, there's bad, right? It's it's this whole it's this whole kind of counterbalance system. And that's, I kind of see the law that where, you know, if you go through Deuteronomy or Numbers or whatever, and it's like you have to have this for this and like these things for these things and, you know, all this kind of stuff. That's kind of like that's the counterbalance system. Whereas Jesus is like, nope, good news freedom and that's removing the dualism. And I think there's a lot of reason why there's judgment that's talked about because judgment encourages the dualism of like you had mentioned earlier in the conversation of putting yourself in an upper place, you know, if you're going to actually act on that, um, whether, you know, murder or the take stealing or whatnot, you're putting yourself above that other person to be able to have that action. Yeah. And so we move ourselves out of that. Then, um, then there's kind of that freedom that that flows because there's no judgment because God's the ultimate judge. And none of us are going to be in the room with another person. Like it's all going to be on us. No matter what you tell yourself, it's just going to be on us. You got to You'll look through your life and you'll find out things like when you took the time to smile at someone walking down the street, that's going to mean way more than, uh, you know, the, financial fundraising campaign that you did for xyz or whatnot and everyone on earth gave you the burr, 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 burr. yeah but really in the end you know it's that smile that's probably going to have more of a conversation when we're sitting there at yeah. least that's my smile my I really
0: like your comment on the duality part because um and how jesus adds to that because in my mind i like to think um geometrically um yeah so uh when i think about god or things of like the trinity it's a triangle nature Mm -hmm. Um, and so the duality aspect was the law that we were stuck in which gave us death but when jesus comes to provide us with the new covenant covenant it creates a point in between those and above it making a triangle
1: so it totally froze as soon as you said triangle the first time (laughs) And I missed the middle of what said. Oh no. Oh
0: what I was saying was the, the duality of the the law that we had, the old covenant would be yeah. um the left, right, up down, but Jesus provides a third way, a new covenant that is above the I law know. and creates a triangle.
1: I I so love that because my brain just goes, and then you can build on that the more you learn with what Jesus said. Because, you know, there's there's the whole numerology thing and every religion has got their own version of like taking words back to numbers. And what does that mean with with sacred geometry, with numerology, with, you know, whatever. Um, but the, one of the things that's pretty consistent is, you know, that you have the point, which is source. Then you have the line, which is kind of that dualism. You got the two, and it's it's very similar to how you just said it. But then when you think when you grow and you've got the four, you know, there's there's a the dualism and there's Jesus. But if we fully grasp it and we we jump on that, then all of a sudden we've got our first structure that we can kind of build off of. And then as you continue on with that, it's and and one thing to note for those that are like listening or whatnot. It, as much as you can use your imagination try to take these away from the 2d like drawing it on a piece of paper try to imagine if these space these shapes actually would like rotate and mm-hmm. flex shape and stuff like that and you know we see a bit of that with the pyramids and then you can kind of imagine a little bit more and there's fun like uh, um you can see little videos that people make online where uh, it kind of goes into itself and comes out of itself and does all these different shapes. That's kind of how I imagine as these things grow. And if you, if you kind of keep adding to it, it still is scripturally sound. And it, and cause Jesus said, like he said, very clearly y'all are going to do way more than I did. And somehow we've missed that, <laughs> you know, but he very clearly was like this, this is nothing. This is chomp change. What you're seeing here. Once you get this concept, like, it's going to be fine. And, you know, all we've got to do, well, I personally feel like all we've got to do is we've got to remove that judgment and to circle back to the beginning of our conversation. If we remove that judgment and we're constantly catching ourselves, then we're just going to raise kids that it's going to be a while before they judge, if they judge at all. Mm -hmm. And so it's saying that then would they remain innocent? Like. That whole kind of thing. Yeah. It's
0: all, it's all about the mirrors. They're little mirrors of you.
1: Yeah, it is. We're all walking mirrors.
0: Mm-hmm. Also speaks to the fractality of nature, but that's a different subject. But <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, thank you for being on, Christine. And this is a great discussion, I think.
1: Yeah, thank you, Adam. I really enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: is there anything that you'd like to say, closing remarks to everybody out there?
1: I, you know, I would, I would really be uh, keen to hear what everybody's thoughts are on the give and take versus the give and receive cycles Mm -hmm. of just of how of explaining that to break things down. Cause I'm always uh, curious how well these little concepts I put in my head to kind of understand and move forward, how well they resonate with others. Mm -hmm. So that, that's, that's one that I would just be really keen to hear anything about Um, if anybody's had any comments. Other than that, I uh, really enjoyed this as well. So thank you so much, Adam.
0: Thanks for coming on, Christine. I hope everyone out there has a blessed day, and uh, we will catch you next time.